Lord Jesus, we want to hear from you. I always think of John the Baptist and may I decrease and you increase. Uh, that is my prayer this morning, Lord Jesus, that your people would hear from you, uh, that as we come to your word, as, as I share the things I believe you've placed on my heart, uh, that it would draw each of us closer to you, uh, that you would convict us if there's areas where we need correction, that you would encourage us, God, if there's areas where uh, we just don't have the strength, where we just can't figure a way forward, uh, would you just speak? Bring light in darkness, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have been talking most of this year uh, about this idea of kingdom life. And by most of this year, I don't mean like 2020. I was the kid that always got tricked by that in school when somebody would be like, before Christmas break, see you next year. I'd always be like, why? Where are you going? What's happening? Like every year I fell for it. Over the last like 12 months, we've been talking about kingdom life in one form or another, and probably we'll be talking about kingdom life for a while going forward uh, because there's so many different facets to this idea of the kingdom. Thank you, babe. We started talking uh, in the fall about kingdom life, but when it came to spiritual gifts, and we were saying, you know, if you don't understand and utilize your, king, your, your spiritual gifts, you cannot be fully involved in kingdom life. I'm trying to put tools in our tool belt so that when we read through the scriptures and we see Jesus talking about the kingdom, we see Paul preaching the gospel of the kingdom, we actually have practical steps we take. We actually understand what that means. And so we're going to start another few weeks, uh, or a series, talking about another tool in our tool belt when it comes to kingdom life. If we're going to be good at kingdom life, we need to be good at community. You cannot do kingdom life without community. We've talked about this in various ways uh, over the past year at different times. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. Just you, your Bible, and Jesus, and you've got everything you need. That does not exist. That's a fairy tale. If we're going to be involved in kingdom life, if we're going to be the people that God is calling us to be, we have to be in community. You cannot separate the two. It doesn't work. We are called to, to do life together, to be in community together, and when we do that, the kingdom moves forward. When you look at how Paul talked to the church, there was always this idea of community involved. We're going to read through a large passage uh, that I've got up on the wall that you can follow with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we looked at this a lot when we were talking about spiritual gifts, because the context is Paul's talking about serving one another through gifts. But listen to how he talks about believers. If you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12, and again, it'll be up on the wall. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many." Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. 
If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. When Paul's talking about the church, he doesn't go, yeah, it's something you do on your own, and don't forget to get together on Sundays. He says, it's at you coming together, doing life together, is exactly like the way your body functions together. You take one piece out, the entire body suffers. No part of the body can look and go, I don't need you. I'll just do it on my own. It doesn't work like that. Literally cutting off your hand, the hand dies and the whole body suffers. We were built to need one another. When we decided to follow Jesus, whether we knew it or not, we talked about this some last week, we were signing up for community. We were signing up to need each other and to be needed by each other. That's the deal. You cannot separate the two. To be involved in kingdom life, to be good at kingdom life, is to be good at community. You cannot separate them. Paul says later to a different church in Ephesians, he says, So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow, fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. The whole building being put together by him grows into a holy sanctuary in the Lord. You also are being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. Now, this is one of those areas where we've talked about this before. You guys, if you've been here before, you know me. I hate y'all, right? It, it's, it's not English. You is both singular and plural at the same time. We don't need the all. The problem is the guys who translated the Bible, they did it right, and we miss it. Because when we read you, what do most of us think? Me. When we read through, like the book of Ephesians, every time Paul says you, we assume he's talking to me individually. God is building me up because I'm the temple of God, right? Here's the thing. Yes, in 1 Corinthians, Paul says that each of us is the temple of God. But here he says that each of us is being built together to become the temple of God. It's both and. Truly, a better translation of this would be y'all also are being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. We are living stones, each one of us, being built together to become a temple for the Holy Spirit. What happens if you come to a wall and just start plucking stones out? What happens? Whole thing crumbles in, right? This is what we do as a church far too often 
is we go, I'm going to take my stone and just remove it. Because being part of the wall is inconvenient. Because being part of the wall, people need things from me and I don't have time for it. Because being part of the wall, things kind of move a little slower sometimes and I don't have time to wait. And so we just start plucking ourselves out of the wall and eventually the whole thing starts to get pretty shaky. But Paul says, as a church, God is building us together to become the dwelling place of God. Community. We need each other. We signed up for community together. There's then no option to just pull out and go, nah, I'll see you guys on Sunday. That's really as far in this thing as I want to go. It's the same as the hand going, I'll serve you for about an hour a week, but outside of that, don't talk to me. I got my own stuff going on. The whole body suffers. We were called into community. From the very beginning, it was this way. We're going to go all the way back to Genesis, directly following the creation story. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord took man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. I wish they listened. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper as his complement. From the very beginning, before sin entered the world, God just created everything. There's this beautiful garden. He brings man into it and he goes, Man, you're going to love this. This is your new home and you get to work this garden and everything. But from the very beginning, God knew it's not good for man to be alone. If I just leave him here, something in him will wither and die. God didn't create us to be alone. God created us social creatures because he's a social creature. And think about it. When we're alone, we begin to die. Thousands of years later, this principle is still true. If you do something wrong and you go to prison, and while in prison you don't learn your lesson, and you do more stuff wrong in prison, what do they do to you? Solitary confinement. You get put in the hole. They've got all kinds of terrifying names for it. Fine. You can't behave well with other people. You don't get interactions with other people. You're going to be in solitary confinement for a week, my goodness, for a month. Like some of these things go real long because they know this, like, this is one of the worst things we can do to someone is to cut them off from human relationship, is to confine them. Because it's not good for man to be alone. Many of us live in solitary confinement that we create ourselves. We're going to talk more about this next week, but we go, no, I'm okay. I have my phone. I have a computer. I have a TV. I don't really need other people. And what we've done is we've placed ourselves in solitary confinement. It is not good for man to be alone. We need one another. God made us social creatures just like he is. See, here, we're going to talk about the Trinity here. And I always say this before we go into the Trinity. I have no expectation that you will fully comprehend it by the time I'm done talking about it because I don't fully comprehend it. There is nothing in nature that we can point at and go, yeah, the Trinity, it's just like that. It's completely other. But from before time even began, if that doesn't bake your noodle, nothing will. Before time was ever even invented... 
God was in community with himself. The doctrine of the Trinity says this. We believe that there is one God, but, that, but God has three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So somehow he has three distinct persons, but he's one all at the same time. Again, I don't expect us to fully grasp it. It's one of those things that you know and you believe, but if somebody goes, well, give me an illustration, you go, ah, I can't. There's nothing like it. But so God, from before time ever began, had perfect community with himself. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were doing just fine. There was perfect unity. There was perfect love between them. And actually, the whole thing of creation, we don't have a conversation they had, but you can assume came from, wouldn't it be cool if we had someone else to share this community with? What if we created beings that could share in this community with us. Wouldn't that be cool? And so God created us, as Genesis 1.26 says, just is, or created us in his own image. And actually, again, to show the community, he said, let's create them in our own image. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let's create them in our own image. Let's make them like us. Just like we need community, they need community. And what's the first thing God did? Brought Adam into the garden, started walking with him, showing him around, sharing relationship with him. And he started giving him purpose and expanding community. Do you guys see this? Okay. Jesus, one of his last prayers for us was for this same kind of community. See, God created us to have communion with him, to be one with him, and we broke it. Don't eat from that tree. We had one rule, and we broke it. And we broke that perfect community with God. Jesus came back to fix it, to give us a way back to community. And here's one of the last prayers that he prays in John chapter 17. I pray not only for these, talking about his disciples, the, 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 the actual followers that were with him. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their message. May they all be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be one with us, so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me. May they be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they be made completely one, so the world may know you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Jesus' last prayer was God just like you and I have this unbreakable relationship, just like you and I do everything together, just like you and I have perfect unity, may they have that with us and may they have that with each other. And look at what it says. So that the world will know that you have sent me and that you loved them. Jesus says, you want to talk the best mission strategy? Here it is. Get along together. And we go, no, 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 where's the outreach? Where's the... And he says, if you guys will allow God to work this unity in you, the world will know that what you say about me is true. Unity is something the world can't produce. Unity is something that the world tries to manufacture, and it kind of creates these, these fakes that it tries to peddle off. But what Jesus is saying is when the world sees true unity... You guys in love with the Father and in love with one another, 
putting each other first, serving one another, having true community together, it won't know what to do with it. The world will be forced to step back and go, look, this whole Jesus thing, like I don't really know what to do with it, but I can't argue with that. There has to be something to it because unity like that doesn't just happen. Does that, in your estimation, you don't have to answer out loud, does that look like our church? I don't believe it does. Now, I think when you compare us to some other churches, we look pretty healthy. Paul says you're foolish when you compare yourselves with yourselves. When you compare us to some other churches, we go, oh, actually, we're doing pretty well. We don't like, no one's punched anyone in a while. And we don't like physically like yell at each other and scream and all of that. So, I mean, I guess things are pretty good, right? But when I look at that, when I look at God's standard for unity, I go, I don't love you guys like that. And to be honest, I don't think you guys love me like that. This is not a shame thing. This is just looking at that and going, Lord Jesus, we need for you to bring community. We need for you to, to build unity in us because we want to reach the world around us and you say that's how it's going to happen. We want to be everything you've called us to be and you say we can't do that on our own. We were built for community. God has made us to know and be known by himself and by each other. And you can't cut one of those legs off and go, no, 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 as long as God knows me and I know him, we're good. He makes it as clear as he can. His prayer for each of us. You guys knew you were in the Bible, right? For those who would believe in their message, that's us. And he prayed that we would have a supernatural unity that would take the world by storm. This is what we're called to. This is what kingdom life is built on. You cannot be good at kingdom life, at being a follower of Jesus Christ, and be a Lone Ranger, and be separated from community. The two can't happen. So let me go back to our initial statement. If we're going to be good at kingdom life, we need to be good at community. I'm going to expand the idea a little bit of kingdom life. Because oftentimes when I talk to people and I talk about you know, the kingdom or something like that, most people assume, okay, he's talking about my spiritual life. He's talking about going to church, reading the Bible, praying, that kind of stuff. If you would have gone to Jesus back you know, in first century Judaism and you would have said, so tell me about your spiritual life, he would have scratched his head and gone, what are you talking about? Is there any other kind of life? All life is spiritual. What are you talking about? But we've kind of put these, these walls around different parts of our life. We need to learn to break those down a little bit. Kingdom life is a whole life kind of thing. We are, the, the, the word that the scripture uses when talking about God, and it's true of us, is manifold, many-sided, all at once. Like kind of different things put together all at once and you can't separate them. We are manifold beings. We are physical beings. We are mental beings. We are emotional beings. We are spiritual beings. Kingdom life needs to invade all of those areas. Community needs to invade all of those areas. Kingdom life is every part of my life. Everything I have, I've been given from God. I'm a steward of it for his kingdom. 
That includes my physical body. That includes the mind that he's given me. That includes my emotions and my interactions with people. That includes the spiritual side of me that's able to connect with him and connect with you on a spiritual level. This is all kingdom life. And if in any of these areas I'm separated from community, I'm going to wither and die. Is this making sense, church? Again, I heard a saying that I'm tempted to use. Notify your faces. Let me know you're out there. If there is any area of your life where you want to grow, you need community there. Some of us are really good at growing physically all by ourselves. So maybe we should put some parameters on what does grow mean. If there's any area of your life where you want to become more healthy, where you want to, where you want to deepen your understanding, where you want to have better, a better foundation, you need community there. Let's, let's look through some of these. Let's look at physically. How many of you have ever said, you know, this year is going to be different? I'm working out this year. I'm going to start running. I'm training for a 5K. Anyone had some of these conversations? How, how long did it go? Did you make it to February? <laughs> Maybe the next day? Yeah. Until I drove past the buffet. Without community, we're sunk. Some of you are strong, and you'll be able to make it even a couple months. I'm with Michael, a week tops. And I go, uh, I don't want to do this anymore. I need community. I need somebody else that knows what I'm trying to do and is going to go, hey, how's that going? How are you? I need to know somebody's going to ask me, and I'm going to have to look them in the eye and go, I quit because it was hard. That's a motivator for me. I need accountability in community. Look at some of the most successful uh, ways to change yourself physically out there. Let's, let's talk about some Weight Watchers. What are you really buying into when you buy into Weight Watchers? Is it the point system thing that they have? You can find that online. You know that, right? There's apps that do that for you for free. Why are people paying money to Weight Watchers? Because there's community there. They have people that they can talk with and share with. They have people that are going to go, hey, how is that going? They have a coach that's going to walk alongside them and go, look, I know this is going to be a tough week. Let's check in. Let's talk to each other. And that community enables people to be successful. How many of you have ever signed up to go to a gym? How many of you realize pretty quickly, I just wasted a lot of money, right? <laughs> One guy, no. Most gyms, when it's just, I'm just going to walk in and yeah, I'll come in three times a week. And I come in with gusto. I'm going to wake up at like five in the morning. First thing I do. And I just bought new shoes and I'm going to make this thing happen. And it doesn't. One of the reasons, Scott and Karen were talking about CrossFit. One of the reasons that this type of gym does so well is because there's built-in community. There's other people who I have relationships with who are going to hold me accountable. There's people that when I don't show up for a week are going to go, hey, I missed you. What happened? There's community there. Apart from that, I'm falling by the wayside. Training for a race. This is why running groups are so big. We need people when you're halfway through your, I don't know how many miles. One is too many for me. But when you're halfway through, you need somebody that's going, you can do this. Come on, just follow me. Just stick with me. You can do this. There's something in our brain that kicks in and goes, I can do this, and i got to keep pushing forward. Sometimes it's even, I know Mark was praying against pride. I think sometimes the Lord allows it a little bit and goes, I don't want to quit in front of all these people. I can't be the one guy that drops out. 
That's accountability. I don't think it's truly the evil kind of pride. That, but the Lord uses that. We need community. Now listen, does that mean everyone you work out with has to be Christians? Does it mean everyone that a part of your diet group needs to be Christians? No. We need community in every area of our lives. And community is actually an amazing way to reach out to those who don't know Jesus. To start to say, hey, we can belong together. Like, I see value in you. Let's spend time together. And actually, I even need your help with this. It's an incredible way to build relationships with people. And you both benefit from it. Let's look at emotional. I have learned personally that I don't, I'm, a, I'm a pretty emotionally dense person. I don't have a high emotional IQ. Many of you have hurt your feelings before, and I had no idea. Unless you were physically crying in front of me, I didn't know. And I don't know myself that well emotionally either. This is an area that for the last few years I've been trying to learn and grow in. Here's the one thing I know. If I don't spend time around my wife for about two days, I start to tank emotionally. Things just go poorly for me. I start to feel alone. I start to question things or whatever. Just being around Kim, there's something in me that goes, okay. And my emotional level kind of levels back out. I don't know what that is. But I know that when I am not in community, and for me it's specific kinds of community, emotionally I tank. I start to feel lonely. Part of loneliness is depression. With most of us, what we do when we start to get depressed is we self-medicate. Whether that's drugs and alcohol, whether that's working out, whether that's some kind of addiction, whether that's social media, whatever it might be, when we start to get emotionally low, we self-medicate. And most people... When you start to look at some of the statistics, the amount of people struggling with loneliness and depression, like I, I heard somewhere the other day on a podcast, the number of people that would be clinically diagnosed with loneliness and depression is in the 70 percentile. In America, we are the most connected people in the world, and we are the loneliest and most depressed people in the world. We need community. We need interactions with each other for our emotional health, for our mental health. Think about this. Think about reading a book versus discussing a book with someone. Which one makes you grow more? Discussing, right? Even if that person agrees with everything you said, just having somebody else read it from the same point of view and going, yeah, man, spot on. I got the same thing from it. There's part of you that goes, awesome. I don't know that I've ever had that experience. There's always been something where we differed and there's been some pushback and you kind of have to wrestle with something. That's growth. You can read a book, underline some things, whatever, and go, cool, put it on the shelf. How much do you really take in? How much did it really change you? You begin to have some of those conversations with people drastically different. You will remember those conversations years from now. The point of view shifts will last for a lifetime. Reading an online post versus talking with somebody that has that point of view, which one's going to change you more? Which one's going to stick with you more? How many of you have read a post and it's those kind of people, whatever kind it is, and we go, I know what they're about? Because I typically, I read a headline and a few lines somewhere in there. I know what those people are all about. As compared to having somebody with that point of view sit in front of me and we begin to have a conversation and I realize that there's nuance here and there's experience they have that I never would have grabbed before. And all of a sudden, like, I understand this issue in such a greater way because of community, 
because I had interaction with them. Is it making sense? Spiritually, we've talked about giftings in the past. We were created to be a spiritual community. You have gifts that I need, and I have gifts that you need, and my life is not complete unless I spend time with you and your gifts minister to me. And your life's not complete unless we are in relationship and I can minister to you with the gifts God's given me. We're cutting off our nose to spite our face when we remove ourselves from community, from true opportunities to minister to one another. You have experiences that I need, experiences that will encourage me, experiences that will broaden my understanding of what God says in his word, of of how to approach God. There's things that you can teach me and there's things that I can teach you that if we're not in community, we won't grow in those areas. We will spiritually flatline and start to decline. You have wisdom that I need. You have accountability that I need. You guys realize like all of the one another verses in scripture, and there are many of them, love one another, bear with one another, uh, bear each other's burdens, all of these different things. You can't do those apart from community, right? You can't practice truly Christianity apart from community. You can't practice Christian charity. You can't practice forgiveness, love, on and on and on the list goes by yourself. It can't happen. You cannot grow into the man or woman that God is calling you to be without people. Because you'll have no opportunity for someone to frustrate you. And now you have to practice forgiveness and bearing somebody's burdens and all of these things. Which some of you go, wait, no one to frustrate me? That sounds like heaven. The only way we grow in these areas is by being around other people. And and when the, the rub starts, we get to practice grace. We get to practice going to one another and and confronting one another, which we're going to talk about in a few weeks, which for some of you is the most terrifying thing in the world. We get to practice boldness and grace. You were called to kingdom life, which means you were called to community. We need community in every area of our life. Now, and hear me, I'm going to finish with this. Some of us are, are just more easily relational with people. Some of you are introverts, and being around people takes all your energy, and then you need to go be alone for a while and kind of get some energy back. If I'm alone for too long, I start to wilt and die. When I'm with people, I start to get all kinds of energy, sometimes too much, and I got to learn to calm down a little bit. So I'm not trying to say, so all of us need five days, three hours a day with a bunch of people. Like It's going to look different for you than it is for me. I'm not here to to prescribe for you, here's how much community you need. Though I do feel pretty comfortable saying, you probably need more than you currently have. Sometimes we kind of, we turn in a little bit and we go, no, it's just my family. That's all I need is my family. And we start to put all our eggs in that basket. And guess what? Your family doesn't have everything you need. They don't have that different point of view that you need to hear. They, sometimes it's really hard to hear something coming from within. You need somebody from the outside speaking in. You know what I'm saying? But we kind of cut ourselves off and we go, no, no, no. I just go home every day and I'll be the best dad I can and I'll be the best husband I can or wife or daughter or son, whatever it is. And we wonder, why is this so hard? How come I'm not growing? But it's because we've cut ourselves off from other community that can help speak in, that can give new ideas so we're not just trying the same thing and failing again and again. We need 
community. And, and like I said, it's bigger than just the people that live in your house. And it's most likely, if you're like the average person, it's more community than you currently have. So my challenge to us is let's pick one of these areas. What is one area where you can practice community? I'm going to blame that on this. Oh, no. Is it, is it physically? Again, we find ourselves at the new year, and many people make New Year's resolutions, and I'm going to get in shape. Okay, who are you going to do it with? Who, who are you going to call to go running with you? Who are you going to call and say, hey, can we, would, you, would you go to the gym with me? Hey, I'm trying to watch what I eat. Do you want to do this with me? Like, who are you going to bring in on that? Mentally, okay, you know what? Like, I hate the term book club, but I don't know what else to call it. I mean, you could say Bible study, but that kind of puts it in a pretty narrow view. I need to start reading more books. I need to get some different points of view. Hey, do you want to read this book with me? And maybe once a week, maybe once a month, I don't know. We grab coffee and just go, hey, what'd you think about what we read? And we begin to discuss it. Emotionally, again, what fills you back up emotionally? Who are the kind of people that you need around you where you're not walking through every day feeling lonely and like you're, you know, the tank is empty kind of thing? Who are the kind of people you need to get around you? Maybe it's to pray together. Maybe it's just to grab coffee and laugh together. You guys realize it's okay for people to get together for no other reason than just laugh, right? It seems so unchristian for some weird reason. When I come away from, there's people that I just enjoy being around and we don't accomplish anything. We're not sitting in silent prayer together and studying the Bible. We just laugh and I come away with a totally different outlook on life. I come away with energy going, okay, physically, let's get after some of that stuff. Spiritually, let's do it. Because I just needed that emotional lift that those people give me. Spiritually, who, who is talking to you and challenging you about what you're reading from the Bible? Maybe about how often. Who's praying with you in difficult circumstances? Or as you're trying to, you know what, I need to make prayer more a part of my life. Okay, who are you praying with? Who are you even texting with and going, did you pray today? If not, now's a great time. Let's do it. Who are you going to get community with in these areas? If there is any area of your life where you want to grow, you need community in that area. There's an old African proverb that goes like this. You've probably heard it before. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Like, building community takes time. And if you're trying to just get something done this week, yeah, going alone is probably going to be faster. If you're trying to bring some changes in that affect the rest of your life, go together. We need each other, church. I need you and you need me. Let me pray over us. Lord Jesus, your prayer in John 17, just as you and the Father are one, he and you and you and him. May you and I be one. And may I and your church be one. God, would you draw us together into community that we didn't even think was possible? Into community that we can't even put words to? Would you begin to show us our need for each other? Some of us have such heavy blinders on and we're telling ourselves, I got everything I need, but we're slowly dying inside. Would you show us, God, our need for one another? And would you show us maybe this week just one step 
that we can take to grow in community and to grow as a person. To grow more in love with you, to grow more in love with your church, to build relationships with others who need to know you. Lord Jesus, may we put ourselves on display as we are in you and you are in us and as you begin to build unity and community among us. The reason Jesus was praying for this is because this is a miracle, what he's talking about. And Lord Jesus, we need your power. We need your leading. We need your wisdom. Would you do this work in our church, God, truly that the world would look at the unity we have, at the community we have, and they would go, look, I don't know about the things they're saying, but the way they treat each other, like I'm jealous of it. I want to be a part of that kind of community. And they would see the truth of what we proclaim because of how we live together. Do this work in us, I pray, Lord Jesus. It's in your name. Amen.